0: All right, so uh, I am Rihanna Smith, and I am the family pastor here at the mission. I've been out for a little bit on maternity leave, and this is my niece, Kiana, and she's actually going to share her memory verse that she learned in Sunday school this past month in October because I think it's a really good theme verse for us. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, no, look at me. See. Be strong and gracious, don't be afraid, God go with you. Nice job, and that's Deuteronomy thirty one six. Six. Good job. Thank you. All right. ready to go to Uncle? All right, thank you, Kiana. That was such a good job. We've been practicing that at home, so um, Alright, so last week we were in Joshua uh, 20 through 21, and Chris taught us about the refugee cities and how God is always for the refugee. And really, Christ is our place of refuge. He's the one that we go and find rest in. He's the one that we can find safety in. And so today, um, we're going to be reading about the Israelites as they continue to establish what life's going to be like after this war that they've been in for seven years. Um, And it's this transition that the Israelites face. It's from war to peace or brokenness to building. So we're going to be talking about that today in Joshua 22. Um, Because in each season of our lives, God has something for us and something he wants to teach us. And I'm just excited that Keanu um, was able to come up and do that too. Because um, I feel like my life was this broken thing. It was this chaos. It was this war for so long. And I feel like God has so redeemed that. And it's showing up in like the next next generation of my family, and so I'm really excited about that, because I feel like Kiana's life kind of got started off a little bit like mine did, and I'm actually going to share a little bit of that with you today, that story. So I'll give you a little bit of history of my family. So my mom actually um, is mentally disabled, and my dad left her uh, when I was born, and so I kind of grew up with that kind of craziness, kind of moving around a lot with my mom. Um, as she kind of was going to different boyfriends and stuff like that. And what ended up happening is my great aunt and great uncle decided to take guardianship of us and that they were going to raise us, that they were going to go ahead and take that over so that we wouldn't have to be moved around so much, which was um, really an awesome thing uh for my sister and I. And so we called them nan and pa. So That's what I'm gonna to refer to them from now on. I know it's a little old school, little countryish, hickish maybe. Um, but that's what we called them. And so when I they raised us from the time we were I was four, my sister was probably like three um, until uh I was fifteen. And at that time what happened was um, my nan actually had a stroke I'm oh, sorry, my nan actually, um, I don't know exactly what happened. We think it was diabetes, but she actually, um, died when I was 15. And that was really, really difficult, um, for my sister and I to just handle as teenagers when we had already kind of been through a lot in our lives. And then, uh, about six months later, that's when my pa had a stroke and, he survived, but he just wasn't the same at first, and he couldn't remember a whole lot. And it was really difficult, and he had gotten a new girlfriend during that time, and what ended up happening is he sold our house, and my sister and I ended up uh, living with my Aunt Lori and my grandma, and we moved around kind of a lot after that. And we didn't really, well, I didn't really know, maybe because I was naive, but um There was like a lot of addiction going on during that time Um, to the point where my grandma had us all, all of us kids in the car and she went to a drug dealer's house and is like getting this bag and saying, oh, I'm just getting something from a friend. And it was like, yeah, okay. Um, And so those kinds of things were kind of my life then. That was kind of my new normal. Um, And my pa had offered for us to live with him, but it was also a really sketchy situation at that time. And so we decided not to do that. Uh, There was also just moving back and forth, moving with my Aunt Lori, moving back with my grandma, and then moving all over the place, my grandma getting um, kicked out because her house was foreclosed because she had gotten a divorce, so like all this crazy stuff in my life, and... Also, on top of that, I decided that I would create my own chaos because chaos was normal, right? So why not just create a little bit more of it? That sounds good. Uh, so I was in a lot of unhealthy relationships and that wasn't just boyfriends, although it was boyfriends. It was also my relationships with my friends and things like that that just were codependent because that was normal for me is to just have these things happening. And also on top of that, lots of abandonment issues and things like that. And I still lived like a victim, even though during that time I was holding on to God and I was trying to follow him. There was just so much junk. It was just so much and it was so heavy. And that was really, really difficult, and I still was letting it affect me, even in the time when God was saying, okay, it's time to transition into peace now. It's time to end the war. It's time to start building. It's time to start living your life and living it for me fully. It was still really difficult because those things just plague you because it's your normal. It's just normal for you. And so I know that each of you have your own stories. You guys have your own hurts, your own pains, your own families, um, whatever that looks like. And even if you had an awesome family, there's still things that people say or do that can hurt you, and you just hang on to those things and replay them in your mind. And so those things can just really drive us and define who we are. And that's sort of what happens a little bit in this story today. And so I want to go ahead and start with our take-home truth. Which is fearless living means we let go of our past and press forward towards what's ahead. And in Joshua 22, uh, if you guys want to turn there while I kind of give you some background. There's a family feud that starts among the Israelite family. And it's between the different tribes. And so what happens is they had like fought together and lived together and gone to war together and all these things. And then um, this feud that starts to happen is because of this like feeling of kind of betrayal, like they're not following God anymore. So they're like ready to go to, to this war against their own flesh and blood. And so let's go ahead and read what happens in Joshua 22. And I'm going to just kind of skip around. So um, I'll try to let you know what verse I'm skipping down to. Uh, but we are going to kind of read through the whole thing, but just kind of skimming some of the parts. Uh, so if you guys want to stand today, we like to stand for the reading of God's word. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. You have obeyed in everything I have commanded for a long time now to this very day. You have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their homes. When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, Return to your homes with your great wealth, with large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide the plunder from your enemies with your fellow Israelites. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in Canaan to return to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord. When they came to Geliloth near the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built an altar on the border, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. So the Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, with him they sent ten of the chief men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. Okay, skipping down to 16, um, this is what they said when they got there. The whole assembly of the Lord says... You could, um, how could you break faith with God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar and rebellion against him? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not been cleansed ourselves from that sin. Uh, and are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community. So skipping down to 21. Then Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, The mighty one God, the Lord, the mighty one God, the Lord, he knows. And let Israel know, if this has been in rebellion or disobedience, do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings... Uh, and grain offerings, or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord Himself call us to account. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, "What do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us. Uh, you have no share in the Lord." So your descendants might cause our, ours to stop fearing the Lord. So, skipping all the way down to verse 32, then Phineas. Son of Eliezer, the priests, and the leaders returned to Canaan from their meeting with the Reubenites and Gadites in Gilead and reported to the Israelites, and they were glad to hear the report and praise God. And they talked no more about going to war against them to devastate the country where the Reubenites and the Gadites lived. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us that the Lord is God. So in this verse, I think there's three things that... Sorry, you guys can be seated. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh... I think there's three things we can learn from this passage today and apply to our own lives as we live in whatever season that we're going through right now. And the first is that being faithful in the war times grows character. And I'm going to go ahead and quote Christine Kane, number one, because she's wise, and number two, because she's my preacher crush. So here we go. Until our faith is tested through challenges, obstacles, trials, and storms, it cannot be stretched to new lengths, deepened to new depths, nor grown to new heights. Faith must be tried to its limits before it can grow beyond those limits. So they were in battle for seven years. So you know they're facing trials and challenges. They're away from their families. They're in war. They're seeing all these people um, die. And that's just a lot of things going on in their lives. Um, And they were fighting not just, they were fighting faithfully, but they weren't even fighting for their own land. They were fighting for their brother Israelite's land. They were doing this faithfully because God had commanded them to, even though they weren't necessarily thinking they were going to get anything out of it. And so, um, because of this, God gives them a blessing. So in, verse, in verses 2 through 4 is where this, this kind of takes place. You've obeyed everything that I have commanded. You've obeyed everything that God's commanded. And to this very day, you haven't deserted your fellow Israelites, right? You've been faithful. You've stayed um, the course. You've done what God's called you to do. And now you get a chance to go home and rest. Get a chance to go home and rebuild. You get a chance to have peace. And so... It's just this awesome thing that happens that they had grown character because they were in this wartime. They had built up this courage and they were not afraid, right? And so that way they could transition into this time of peace. So he reminds them to continue to do all the things that they already have been doing in the wartime. Now to transition that into the peacetime. And because of it, he blesses them. And so you talk about, like, faith growing in a place of difficulty. That definitely was happening with the Israelites. Um, And... In my own life, I feel like this definitely happened too. I mean, I wasn't always completely faithful when those things were happening to me. Um, I definitely had moments where I questioned God, where I was doubting, where I even yelled at Him and maybe cussed a little bit. And so those things happened, and I was angry and I was bitter, but I really did love God, and I really did want to follow Him. I really did um, try to move forward. And so I feel like um, even if in those times we weren't faithful, right? God can redeem those things, which is such an awesome thing about God. But it does build a character when we stay faithful, when we decide that we're going to follow him, even if times are tough, even if we're going through a season of war. And so um, how we handle trials can determine how we handle our other seasons. So If we can't be faithful in the war times, it can be really easy to become complacent and apathetic in the other seasons of our life, especially the times of rest. And God definitely is the Redeemer, and He can redeem those times. But I really think that um, it can change how we handle the other seasons. So uh, our second point that I think we can learn from this verse is that the transition from war to peace or brokenness to building can come with great difficulty. I think that for some of those men, going back home was more difficult than staying in war. And we even see that, I think, in our soldiers today. It's really hard to get back into like normal routine and normal normalcy after being in war for so long. Because war becomes normal. And that's what happened, I feel like, in my own life as well. So we see this in in verse 10, right? They're um, leaving, and then they decide to build this altar. And then the other Israelites are like, Let's go to war! We just got home, but let's go to war again! And you're like, wait, what? No, why? Um, let's let's take a moment here And so the three tribes they had been faithful, right? They'd been faithful in war times But the question was would they be faithful in the peace times as well? And it almost seems like they're not because they build this altar on the other side of the jordan And you're like, why are you building an altar? You need to go to the temple of god to do these sacrifices And then the other israelites first response is right pick up pick up your swords again Let's go back to war And they're all having this difficult time in the transition And in my life, chaos was normal. So I wanted to create chaos because you get comfortable with it, right? You get comfortable with these things in your life, even if they're horrible things. And you just, it becomes normal to you. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily pain or chaos. But sometimes it's like traditions. It can be super unhealthy traditions. It can be codependency or whatever else maybe your family does that is not healthy. And it's maybe not of the Lord. But we get so used to those things that we just kind of do them. And they kind of just are there all the time. We're just not willing to put those weapons down in that time of peace that God's calling us to. It can be hard to let go of pain and hurt and move on to the next thing that God has for us because that pain is just so familiar. You can't even imagine life without it. It's just there and it can become anger and then it becomes bitterness and it just becomes our friend that we just carry around with us and it's a heavy burden. And these things, they just begin to define us and we forget that we're supposed to be defined by Christ alone because our identity is found in Him alone. The Bible does not say for us to wallow in the past Um, To be a victim, right? But instead to press forward to what lies ahead. And I think this is a super important point. We don't get to blame our actions today on the pain of the past. Because we can. And it's easy to. But we really don't get to. Because God holds us accountable. And even if it's like a genetic thing, right? So like they have found that there's like genetic... Tendencies towards alcoholism and lots of other sins that we have in our lives like addiction um, And that goes back to our family line and to our histories But it's really no excuse for our actions today. We don't get to use it as an excuse um, God still holds us accountable for what we did with this moment today in the present. What did you do with what I gave you? Are you moving forward or are you being stuck? So my question, oh, sorry, one more point. It's important for us to be faithful in the war times, but God also wants us to be faithful in the times of peace. So my question is, have you been holding on to something that's happened in the past? Do you think it's time to lay down your weapons, to lay those things down before the feet of Jesus and allow him to redeem those things? So that way the enemy is not using them, right, for evil instead of good. So maybe God is giving you that same speech that Joshua is giving the three tribes. He may be calling you into a season of peace, of rebuilding and growing rather than that season of brokenness. Maybe you've been stuck in for too long. I'm going to quote Christine Kane again. You know why, because I like her. So sometimes we are so focused on our history that we don't step into our destiny. The next. The next one, God is able to take the mess of our past and turn it into a message. He takes the trials and tests, and he turns them into testimony. And we don't want to miss that opportunity because we're staying stuck. We want to make sure that we are using everything God's given us, even the pain, even the junk, even the chaos, that he is getting to use it for his glory. God wants to use our past for his glory, but he doesn't want our past to make us useless for his kingdom. I'm going to say that one again. God wants to use our past for his glory, but he doesn't want our past to make us useless for his kingdom. Right. So, our point last point. Number 3, we may have forgiven, moved on and let go of much of our past, but fear can still powerfully motivate our actions. And we can see this with the tribes. They decide to build this altar, right? They build this altar. And they're not trying to be disobedient to God. They're not trying to, you know, purposely go against him at all. But they did it out of fear. Because even though they were moving on and they were going over and they were ready to start their new life of rest and peace, they are still letting fear motivate them. And so it says, um, I think it's uh, verse 20. 23 if we have built our own altar to turn away from the lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it May the lord himself call us into account. So they are being humble. They are realizing like, okay I can see how maybe this happened, right? And then it says um, But no, we did it for fear That someday your descendants might say to ours. What do you have to do with the lord the god of israel? So they do it out of fear they they were trying to be faithful. They were trying to enter the season of peace, but they did let fear motivate them. And when we act out of fear instead of faith, we can rush into actions, uh, which can sometimes have tragic results. And in this case, it almost took them all to war when they had just got done with being in a war. And so um, because they were doing it out of fear and not out of faith, fear is one of the enemy's favorite tools because he can manipulate us with it. He can use it to steer us away from trusting God. And that's a scary place to be. And in this case, it it didn't, it didn't turn out that bad. But sometimes when we are driven by fear, it can wind up with some really tragic results. And fear stands in opposition, opposition to faith. And God knows this. So he reminds us so many times in the Bible, fear not, do not fear, right? Over and over again. We know this and yet we still allow fear to rule our actions. With the Israelites, they built an altar without consulting the priests, and it was mistaken for idol worship. Um, Even though their intentions were good, they almost caused a war. And so in my own life, I feel like I had forgiven my family and their mistakes. I had given up a lot of it, um, especially by the time I had moved out and on my own and was ready to start rebuilding Uh, I really did let go of so much, but I still allowed fear to rule my life because I was afraid that I was going to become like my family. I was afraid of repeating the same mistakes. Um, I was, I really did want to follow God, but I was operating out of fear, not out of love or faith or trying to just live for God today, but about, um, not being something instead of being something. And so in some sense, I really did set up an idol in my life of this is what not to do. And it still was an idol because my life was ruled around it. It drove me. Don't be like this. Don't be like this. Don't do this. Don't do all these things instead of, God, what do you have for me? Let me follow you wherever you take me. And so this idol was still in my life because fear can do that. Um. And the altar itself was not wrong. It was the reason they built it and how they went about building it. And also, yeah, the other Israelites were ready to go back to war because they were still having a hard time transitioning too. But then you see the leaders. The leaders are patient. The leaders go to them and they ask questions. And they're able to find out that it really wasn't bad intentions They maybe didn't do it all the way right, but they didn't just attack and judge and go back to war. They asked questions first. So I I just want to kind of think about and summarize what living fearlessly looks like here. Living fearless means that we let go of the past and allow God to redeem it. It means allowing him to use whatever season we're in, and it also means being patient with those who are still struggling with their past. And I think here at the mission, we really do believe that we have a responsibility to each other, just like the Israelites did. That's why the priests went to them. They were holding them accountable. They were wondering, what's going on here? Come on, you know, why aren't you following God? It looks like you're idolizing this thing. Now you're going you're gonna to turn away from God already, and we just got back from war. And here, we think we have a responsibility to each other, too, as a family, Um, That we want to become even more of the person that God's created us to be. And that's why we're always here to offer prayer and to go through some of those things with you so that you can start giving up your past. Because I know that, yeah, I went to a little bit of counseling, but really counseling wasn't what got me through. It was prayer. And it was like lots and lots of crying prayers. Um, And that Kim and Chris, as you guys know, um, took me through a lot of it. And having to really just let it go and not just uh, keep going with, um, with what had happened. Because when we say, I don't want to be this thing, you know, like, I don't want to be like my mother, right? We end up becoming like our mother, right? And that's just what happens because it's so focused around not being like something than just being on what God has called us to be in whatever season that we're in. So if you guys do need prayer, know that any of the pastors here um, and leaders are willing to, to walk with you through that and pray with you through that. Uh, and I'm so excited, actually, about this next um, song that we're going to sing. Because when I came here, right after um, my baby, Alethea, was born and I came back to church, um, we sang this song um, about just the ashes of our lives becoming this beauty. And I was just holding my baby girl thinking like how much God has just redeemed my life and changed those ashes, that wartime, that chaos, and he's brought such beauty out of it. And just having Kiana come up here and say a verse, um, she's not necessarily my biological child, but we're raising her and she is coming to know the Lord and she's memorizing verses and she's excited about praying and it's just so awesome to see that, um, this new generation coming up in my family and just that like hope that's there that beauty that's coming out of it Um, and I'm not going to cry so (laughs) Uh, before we enter a time of worship I want us to close our eyes and just use our imaginations to maybe start giving up some of this stuff and just accepting this peace and rest that God's given us so if you'll just go ahead and close your eyes and just imagine That we are before God As he gives us a similar speech That Joshua gave the Israelites He's saying You have been through tough times It has been difficult I have been faithful And I have been with you through it all And I long to give you rest It is time to start rebuilding In this time of peace Don't forget to love me above all else to walk in obedience, to keep my commands, and to hold fast to me and to serve me with all your heart and with all your soul. This is how you live a fearless life in every season. Find a peace and rest in me. Whatever you're going through, lay your weapons down and trust me. Because even if we're in the war times, God is the one who offers us the peace and rebuilding, even while chaos is still going on around us. Because even though our circumstances might be war and chaos, God offers us spiritual peace and rest in him. If I could have the ushers come forward as I just pray and we enter into a time of worship. God, we want to accept this rebuilding and this peace. We want to operate out of love and faith and not out of fear, but God, it is difficult. There is so much pain. There is so much hurt. There's just so much junk in this world. And we can't do it without you. So, Holy Spirit, would you just enter into those deepest places, those deepest hurts, those wounds, God, and would you begin a healing work in this place? Would you help us to trust you, God, and reach out for help because that is really what it's about. is about being a family and is about helping each other to move forward into the destiny that you have for us. We just pray that you would just be blessed and worshipped in this place, God, and that the enemy would have no strongholds here. He would not be able to attach himself to fear. God, that he would just flee from this place because your Holy Spirit resides here. Because we belong to you, Jesus.